This is the Mind Body Detox Podcast, where we discuss all things integrative health and wellness, interviewing folks from all over the world, sharing insights and wisdom on how to live a healthier life in mind, body, and spirit. Welcome back to the Mind Body Detox Podcast. I'm your host, integrative intuitive medium, Kara Loveheart, and I'm here with Miss Tanya Jarrett, nutritional therapy practitioner, and she and I are going to talk about a topic that's really important to us because we run into this a lot of time working with clients, and we get this question too, why do I not fully heal? Why am I not getting the results that I'm looking for? Why am I blocked? Why am I stuck? So we're going to talk about why people don't heal. What are some of the culprits to blocking us in our wellness journey? So first off, Tanya, I'd like to kind of let you talk a little bit about yourself. Just refresh everyone if they haven't heard you on our podcast before. And to share with everyone, what do you think that this topic, why is it so important at this time? Why are you passionate about this that we're going to go into it today? Thanks, Kara, again for having me. I'm Tanya, a nutritional therapist, and I'm also a board-certified health and wellness coach. So this topic of healing and moving forward is really a passion of mine because when you are a healer and a nutritional therapist is somebody who does heal through food, but you're also a health coach, someone who invokes change, I think from a practitioner perspective, when you hit these roadblocks and people cannot heal in the way that you're intending them to heal, you maybe feel like it's you that's doing something wrong. But the beauty about being in this realm is that as a practitioner, I understand that there is so much more than the physical part of health. Maybe somebody cannot heal because they're not tapping into the intellectual realm or the spiritual realm or the mental realm. There's all of these realms that make up individual wellness. So that is why I'm really passionate about it is there's so much more to healing and health than just what you put into your mouth. Absolutely. I felt called to this because years ago, I started seeing this where It was family members a lot of times that were running into blocks and were trying to heal. And when we're defining healing, this could be looking to lose weight, looking to overcome anxiety or depression or gut health issues or energy issues, or even just feeling like they have no purpose or meaning in their life and they're needing to to use spiritual means or some sort of meditation or something to help them find that Uh, spiritual healing. So when we're talking about healing, we're talking about healing in many different aspects. But I would see my family members continue to yo-yo diet, or they'd lose weight, and then they'd gain weight. And then they'd be like, well, I'm going to try something else. And it just doesn't seem to be working, or this is the new thing that now is going to work. And then I would see the same thing with my family members and friends who struggle with anxiety or depression. It was always, this is the next pill that they're going to say it's going to work. They got to test my blood for my liver function to make sure it's still okay because I'm on this pharmaceutical. And they're going to maybe counseling, but they're still feeling like they're not jazzed up. Like, yeah, this is actually helping or I'm seeing progress. It's more, I'm just making it work for now. And I just felt like there's so many more things. Why don't they know about these things? And when you're close to people like that, your friends or your family, a lot of times they don't always give you the authority that you you know you have the credentials or the ability to even give them resources that would help convince them. But there's something that happens that when someone's close to you, whatever you have to offer isn't seen as valid. I don't know if that's something that you ran into yourself, Tanya, with family members or friends, but that's something a lot of practitioners run into. We give away our power to someone that we don't know their background or their personal health history or their personal journey. And we go, oh my gosh, they must know the answers. But then when you get to know them and you get to know their background and their history and you're like, Uh, they're cool, but they also have crap in their life that's going on. So I don't maybe trust them as much. So for me, you know, we all have crap going on in our lives. But even if you go to your doctor or your dentist or anyone, we give them that sense of, you know what you're doing, but they also have stuff going on. So for me, I feel like along my journey, it's been watching people not have the answers and not hear what options are out there. And this is just for friends or family. Clients, that's a whole different story. Um, But I'm curious if you've ever had that experience. 
One too many times. One too many times. It, it is a true story. I mean, the people closest to you are the ones that are most resistant to your suggestions and to, you know, opening them up to different ideas. And, and I don't have the answer for that. I, I really don't, but I've experienced it one too many times. It's almost as though it's too close. Yeah, if listeners are also having this, because if you're jazzed up about holistic health and you found things that are working for you, you've probably had the same thing happen to you where you tell a friend or a family member who's just not open to that method of healing or they're not open to hearing it from you, they may not actually try it. So I've seen it so many times where the same thing I've talked about to friends or family members is brought up years later by someone else. And now they're like, oh my God, this is so great. This is amazing. I'm using essential oils for this and that. I was like, I told you that eight years ago. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm so glad. But yeah, I just want to let people know that casting your pearls before swine, these meaning if you're not, they're not ready to hear you, to hear what you have to preach, don't waste your energy. What you can do is offer another person or a practitioner say, hey, I know someone that could really help you. And if you can take a distance uh, from between yourself and somebody else and give a practitioner for that person to work with, they're more likely going to jump on board. What common misconceptions, Tanya, do people have about your services? Things that maybe potentially maybe are blocking them that they perceive about working with you or what you offer? Kara, you asked the hardest questions, but the best ones. And I think misconceptions are really normal. From a client perspective, just put yourself into these shoes at this moment. So you are not feeling well. You're looking to, you know, shed some weight. You go on Google, you start Googling, you know, practitioners, and you see this beautiful website that appeals to you with all of these wonderful testimonials and pictures of weight loss. And you automatically think that wow, these people must have been on a really restrictive eating plan and they must have, you know, been eating really boring food, the same food every day. So you have this misconception that changing your nutrition plan is going to equate to restrictive eating and crazy diets, which is so untrue. But this is something that I hear often And people will make a joke about it, even in a consultation, I'll be getting to know them, you know, talk about, you know, you know, tell me why you're here, why you connected with me. I want to hear more about your story. And they're like, well, you're probably going to put me on some crazy diet. So, and then they, you know, kind of let it all out, but that is not what nutrition is about. Nutrition is really about high quality food. It's not about just eating chicken breast and broccoli every single day. It is way more than that. And it is way personalized and tailored to exactly what you need. So there is not boring food. There is not only eating salads and there should be no, no preconceptions about that. So I'm kind of hacking those right now, just like axing them down because that, that is the furthest thing from the truth. And then I would say that And this is a hard one for me to admit because it does like kind of trigger me a little bit that someone will look at me, they'll look at my background and they will say, well, how could she understand me? Because she probably has no health concerns of her own or no struggles of her own. That's hard. That's hard because there are a lot of struggles. Everyone has their own pain points and everybody has their own struggles in life. And looking at somebody And having this perception of them that could possibly be the furthest thing from the truth may be hindering you from reaching your own goals. That's crazy, right? It's completely crazy. It's like, oh, well, I don't want to work with her because she probably doesn't understand what it's like to lose weight. That's self-sabotage, baby. 100% full circle. Along my way of sabotaging myself for years, comparing myself to other people and feeling like I'm not good enough, that's the root of it. That's the root of it. But sometimes instead, we'll create like a protective barrier like, well, I don't want to work with them because inside I'm really judging them because they look pretty and they look like they have it all together. And I don't think that I have it all together. So maybe they're just, no, they're not good enough. Like the conscious mind says, I don't know. 
But unconsciously, there's something that's intimidating us about that person, or we don't like their vibe, or maybe they remind us of someone else that we've had grievances towards or that we haven't let go of, we have resentments towards, whatever it is, or a group of people. So that was something when I first met Tanya, I was like, oh my gosh, she wants to work with us. Why would she want to work with us? She's amazing. She was like Miss Pennsylvania. She's a model. She's awesome. She's bubbly. She's beautiful. Why? I felt not good enough or not worthy. I don't think I would have ever chose to work with you at that time. And that's something that isn't something against you as the practitioner or anyone else out there that has that. You as a practitioner out there or anyone may feel the same way about you in any other capacity. And the reason why is we don't feel good enough and we are judging ourselves. And that's a big block to healing because I'm telling you that when I got over that, it wasn't just maybe working with you, Tanya. It might be working with someone that would be a coach. I have an intuitive coach that's my mentor. Years ago, I would have thought, maybe I'm not good enough to work with her. I know I'm psychic, but I don't know if I'm really on the level, you know? But when I got over that and I found that the people that I had the most resistance to working with, for whatever reason, if I looked at why am I afraid of working with them? What is intimidating? What am I afraid of? Am I afraid of success? Am I afraid of failure? Am I afraid of them judging me? Whatever it is, whenever I looked at that and realized what it was and overcame it, I'm telling you that those people were the most life-changing coaches, mentors, or helpers in my life. And I thought to myself, I wish I would have done this years ago. So if you have that experience yourself out there and you're feeling that way about someone, you're worried about working with them, maybe, uh, you know, people feel that way about me. And I'm like, wow, you know, we all get it. But it's something that that may be the time then when you have the most resistance. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, you are totally right. Right. Like that is perfect. You, that's right. You, that might be the right time. It really might be. But I, I think the biggest compliment I've ever received is, you know, when somebody says, I'm really sad to leave you and you're going to be my friend forever. I mean that it's you, you develop these relationships and that does feel like a huge compliment to me is I'm really sad to leave you. I'm sad that I don't need you anymore. (laughs) You know, I don't need your support. You've taught me wonderful things and I, I feel really wonderful and piggybacking on the judging part is I do believe from a human perspective, we always think people are judging us. And that is the furthest thing from what's really happening. We unconditionally love as coaches, wherever you are in your journey, wherever you are, we unconditionally give our full selves in every session, no judgments allowed. That really comes back to the client and and how they are perceiving the situation, maybe even dipping into that self-sabotage again. There is never any judgment. I, I have worked with coaches before and you can feel it in your first few sessions that there is no judgment. You feel that connection. Yeah. And also the other way around, I will feel and sense when a client is sensing or perceiving that I'm judging them. Yeah. And that's just me as an intuitive professional. And I usually cut it right there and get and going, I'm just gonna let you know that I'm picking up that you're feeling judged or that you're feeling not good enough. And let's talk about this because that's not the case. And usually that is like you said, a form of self-sabotage. When I've worked with people, we do something like a judgment detox that may be part of their protocols of working with me in the mind body detox program or working with me in, in any capacity. That may be a huge block for them, for them to heal. And I find that if you are worried about other people judging you to the degree of which you're worried about other people judging you is the degree to which you judge yourself. Those people who work on not judging themselves, accepting themselves, radical acceptance of themselves and others, moving into a space of gratitude and love, their life completely changes. And then they no longer perceive that other people are judging them. Sometimes you can get to a point where you go and you're to a party and you leave and your friend's like, they were judging you because you're acting all crazy and you're acting all, you know, like fun or whatever. And you can see people looking at you from the corner and they were like, what's she doing? She's having so much fun. And you were like, I didn't even know they were judging me. And you're like, okay, I don't care. I was having fun. But those people in the corner were the ones that were judging themselves on some level and didn't want to look stupid like you, they feel or perceived you were, or they were thinking whatever they could think at your show off or whatever the party situation was. But going back to it, it really is when you rectify your own judgment of yourself, the more you do that, the more you will not care or even worry or perceive other people ever judging you. Absolutely. You know, we, we want our clients to heal. We want our clients to have success. 
So the judgment really does come from their side. Yep, absolutely. Let's go back now. When you're working with a practitioner or you're working with a client, Tanya, so you are working with that practitioner, you have a little bit of a distance between you personally and the person who's coaching you or working with you. Where do we then run into blocks where we are feeling resistance? Where does that resistance come up for you and your clients, with your clients, I should say? Yeah, Kara, there are so many reasons for resistance. And a lot of times it's really helpful for me to look at that client and say, okay, one, why did they come to me? What is the reason that they're here? Is it because they had a medical diagnosis, um, for instance, diabetes? Do they want to lose weight? Do they want to feel better? Do they just want to have a better quality of life? So stepping back to the main reason that they came to me and thinking, okay, how can I help them when they're being resistant? Like I said, there are many reasons why somebody's resistant. We can talk through them. I kind of wrote down a few. So I'd love to just kind of play off of these because I'm sure as somebody who has worked with clients, it, from your perspective, you're going to have a lot of valuable insight in this. If you're out there and you're listening to these reasons, this is a really good opportunity to take an inventory of yourself without shame or guilt, because what we have lack of awareness of or where we have lack of awareness of a pattern or a mental block or something that we didn't even see before, that can block us in every area of our lives. So take inventory for yourselves. You can probably easily point the finger at your spouse or someone else that you're like, yeah, they're resistant. They've done this behavior. But just look at yourself too, because I know even for Tanya and I, there's probably areas in which we have blind spots. We all do. Yeah. I love that you said that because when you really know better, you do better. And that's something that I always tell people when you really can look inward and realize, oh my Lord, I'm totally self-sabotaging myself in all these ways. And I don't even acknowledge it. When you know better, you're going to do better. Yeah. So one of the things that I find from a resistance standpoint is a negative outlook. It's like the client has this everything sucks mindset. Maybe everything sucks because they're going through a divorce and they have three small children at home. Maybe everything sucks because their job is just taking so much energy out of them that they have no capacity to have energy for the other things in life. There are so many reasons that things become crappy in life. From the practitioner perspective, there is a time and place to be positive. Yeah. But there's also a time and place to see eye to eye with that person and say, you know what? I I acknowledge this. This sucks and it's real. And even if you cannot relate to their specific circumstance, there has to be that level of being grounded with that person. Not, hey, everybody, it's love and light. And we're going to just be like, motivate you through it. It's okay. You're going through a divorce and you have three kids. You can still eat wonderfully perfect every day. That's not realistic. (laughs) And that would honestly probably create more pessimism and cynicism and a negative outlook toward coaches. Oh, for sure. That person would fire you right away. They'd be like, this is not working. She's way too positive for me. And, And that's one thing I love about working with clients is because they get to connect with the practitioner or the coach on a really special level. And when you connect with somebody, there's no turning back, right? There really is no turning back. You know that that person is there for you through thick and thin. And I think that, like I said before, yes, there's times for positivity, but there's also times to be like, yeah, that really does stink. And you know what? There's a lot of emotions that you're going to go through with this. So let's go through it together. Mindset and a negative outlook is you know, similar, but being realistic with what's actually happening in your life Sometimes during big transitions or big changes or struggles, you may not be able to do A, B, or C, but you can do D and your health coach should be able to help you. And they shouldn't pigeonhole you into like, this is the thing you have to do to get through this. You know, a a good coach coaches you into finding solutions that you are the contributor to those solutions, not just someone telling you what to do. That's not a coach. That was so beautifully said, Kara. Honestly, I encourage people to rewind 15 seconds and re-listen to that. Every single coaching interaction is client-centered. It is not about us. It is about the client. So kudos to you for just 
making that incredibly clear. Well, can you though relate and the listeners out there relate to having that negative mindset or just an outlook, even if it's just for a couple hours or a, a particular week, even, even if there's just a lot of stuff going on, you spilled coffee on yourself, you're late to work, you know, you, you ran into traffic on the way to work because of the emotions that are cycling through your body and the way that our brain processes mindset and how we frame the world around us, we will actually have a little bit more of a tunnel vision and be focusing then on what's the next thing that could go wrong. A lot of times that's how we work instead of, well, you know what? Maybe this is happening for a reason. Maybe I'm late to work and I'm missing a car accident or, you know, that mindset is more of a optimistic, positive mindset that can completely shift the hormones and the neurotransmitters that are going through the body that shift the mood and improve your mood and improve your behaviors, your actions, your choices, and your interactions with other people. But some days we can't always do that. But mindset is something that really does keep us in a place of feeling like we're in a rut and we're not able to heal. Well, this is, I've tried all these things and this isn't going to be the one. And I've gone to so many people and they're not doing it for me and they're not doing it right. Really, sometimes that's a matter of the mindset is that person's going to fix me. They're going to have the answers. And that's an old paradigm. That's one of the biggest reasons why people don't heal. They're not taking self-responsibility for their own health and their healing. Now, Tanya, I have to admit that I've been in that place certain times when I'm really overwhelmed with certain things that are going on. I sometimes fall into that. I'm like, man, and you get in a victim mentality. But if you move out of that and you're like, no, this is something that I'm here on a mission, on a life journey with you know my doctors, my healthcare practitioners, spirit, my spirituality, my connection to my faith, all these factors come in that's guiding me. And when you have that mindset, it completely shifts your whole reality where all of a sudden you could have a new practitioner show up or a new treatment or a new option or even the finances that now become available to do that treatment that you've been complaining about that is not there. Whatever it is, mindset shifts everything. So I'm going to see if you have anything else to say about that. Yeah. When, when you get stuck into that nothing works mindset and you're supposed to fix me, when you're in that mindset, you're definitely not going to heal. The mind is so powerful. Now, there was that documentary, and I think we talked about this before in another podcast. It was called Heal. Mm -hmm. And it was really about how the mind can heal different ailments of the body. And it is so powerful. And I suggest if anybody out there wants to watch that documentary, it, it really changes your perspective on the power of the mind. If you're in that place where I've tried everything and nothing works, this might be a really nice reflection on, am I living in a fixed mindset or a growth mindset, right? We teach this to children because we want children to be resilient. So this ties nicely into resiliency and how resilient you are as a person. I'll have to share a link too. I did a podcast episode for one of our women's networks, a business network called Fierce Connections. And I did an episode with Kelsey and Heather, and it was about the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So I'll share that also, but I do agree, Tanya, to check out the Heal documentary. It was really very well done. Yes, very well done. So what are some other ways that we are potentially blocked when it comes to healing? So I run into somebody who is very, very, very ambitious. They want to get started, for instance, with my personalized nutrition program. They want to get started right away. They want to get the lab work done. They want to start next week, you know, really, really motivated. And then what happens is two weeks in, there's a complete 180. So that person is no longer motivated. And from a practitioner coach perspective, you're kind of like, what the heck just happened? I had this person who, you know, got their lab work the next day, filled out all their paperwork. You had this person who you had so much hope for. And then all of a sudden you feel confused, a little bit confused. Like, okay, I need to step back and uncover why is this person unmotivated? What happened? Yeah. Well, um, if you guys want to re-listen to the self-sabotage podcast episode, and I go into the full course online about that whole process, that is actually one of the red flags, one of the ways that sabotage comes up where people are really highly ambitious 
and they're going to go and do it all at once, all or nothing mentality. And they put 110% in. And then, of course, whenever you do that just on a regular work day, right? You're like, I'm going to put 110%. I'm going to work 16 hours. I'm going to get all this stuff done. You're going to crash. You're not going to have the energy to sustain your journey through the transformation and the changes. And even making these changes, lifestyle, nutrition, spiritual changes, whatever your practitioner is giving you, the human mind takes a little bit more energy to process and learn new behaviors or even new routines. And change can be stressful to us, even if it's good change. So you have to take into account if you're going to manage and get over that hump of the change, you have to take it slow and steady. Slow and steady always wins the race. I always see those intensity of transformation, people really run out of steam pretty quickly. And that's self-sabotage. That's just a way that it comes up. So everyone out there listening, if you have this happen to you when it comes to maybe even a work project or an idea, or we're going to do this thing with the family at the holidays, and I'm going to plan all these things and blah, 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 blah. And then you run out of steam and then it never happens. Or your health journey. It is the way that self-sabotage comes up in all aspects of our lives. So re-listen to that episode if you haven't. But it's a huge one, Tanya. So I'm not surprised when you see that red flag, they're coming in, they're like, I'm going to do it. Just maybe potentially expect that and expect that from yourself too. be more mindful when you are working with a practitioner, if that is maybe part of your pattern in the past. I relate to this specific ambitious and then motivated subgroup really well, because I am a, I am a visionary. My mind runs a million miles a minute. And I am that person. We're going to have a Thanksgiving dinner and we're going to do all of these things. And then I become very unmotivated. So, you know, I relate to this. And from a practitioner coach perspective, I feel that this is where I can help the most because I relate so deeply to this. And like you said, one thing at a time, you cannot work on your sleep and work on your time management skills while you're trying to food prep and drink 80 ounces of water a day. Doesn't work. It does not work. It's too much. So one thing at the time, slow and steady, like you said, wins the race. It really does. So the other thing we talked about is we wanted to talk a little bit about energy medicine as an option that people overlook. And I just want to break that into this conversation at this point right now, because of what you were saying about you're the creative, you get all these ideas and you're like, I'm going to go do it. And I'm going to blast off this stuff. So when it comes to energy management, so as an integ integrative energy healer, I see energy fields, I work with energy fields, and I work with helping my clients find balance in their overall energy expression. And when there is an excess expression of that energy, for your example, Tanya, was I have all these ideas, we're going to do it. That individual, a lot of times when I'm working with them, has a lack of balance in some of these other aspects when it comes to the seven pillars of health in mind-body detox in the program specifically. But it is about just looking at how do you balance your energy. And you can use different labels and terms to talk about that energy. We talked about the characteristics right there, Tanya, of being creative and having all this blast of energy. You can talk about it as a color when it comes to the chakra system and energy med medicine and the basic energy medicine anatomy. In energy anatomy, I'm sorry, we talk about as the, that would be the sacral chakra, all this creative life force energy that wants to create that's there. Um, we could talk about it as far as chi and flow of energy, flow of that through um, how the body processes energy. That could also be talked about from a psychological sense you know, of why is that a part of, you know, your energy, it could be just something what you're eating and you're drinking that could be stimulant, you know, you could be like, I'm drinking a lot of coffee, or I had a lot of sugar or chocolate, and I get this blast of energy, and then I crash. So there's so many components to what could potentially affect the energy, which is the underlying pattern that we use many different words, labels, and concepts to point to that particular behavior. What I love about energy medicine is it is can be used to help balance that general pattern. And the energy medicine techniques, you might have heard of them out there. There's many of them, yoga being one of them. People don't always think of yoga as an energy medicine modality because you are moving energy chi through your body. Same thing with exercise, but it's not always geared to that slow movement, that mindful movement that a lot of times yoga, traditional yoga practices. But then you have meditation and qigong, you have reiki, you have acupuncture. These are all forms of energy medicine that help move and balance the energy chi flow. So think about it as like a energy flowing through your body, 
like energy would flow through a hose or something like that. Let's imagine you pinch the hose and it's going to start building up pressure in that particular area. Well, if you're building up energy pressure in a particular area in your energy anatomy, and say that area relates to excessive creative life force, which is that creative ideas and you're mentally thinking about it and it just needs to burst out of you, it's going to come out in that way. It may affect you in the physical area of the bodies that relate to that energy medicine, the subtle net energy anatomy associated with those areas. But that's just one example. And I think that balancing the energy would be equivalent to taking that hose and unpinching it and letting the flow of energy, which is mental, emotional, spiritual, and physiological, to flow through the body in a more balanced way. So then that you can have that slow and steady or sustainable energy flow when it comes to thinking about an idea, getting excited about it still, creating the plans to make it happen, waiting for the right timing, and using all the resources you have then to make it happen in a sustainable way. It was a long monologue there, but I hope that was a good explanation to kind of understand that, yes, we have energy medicine people hear about it. They've heard of the modalities, but what does it actually do? How does it work? Hopefully that that makes more sense to explain it in that way of conceptually. Um, but Tanya, if that didn't make sense, please let me know. I'd be happy to clarify. <laughs> no, it, it made complete sense. And, you know, thinking about ourselves you know, it going back to the cellular level of almost everything, it all vibrates at various frequencies, right? Yes. So in order to have vibrant health, which we all hope for, that is like what we all want, the body needs its energies to have that energetic space to flow freely, right? Just really being mindful of what blocks those energies? Is it toxins? Is it prolonged stress? Is it trauma? You know, and having really working to create an energy flow where there's disturbances. And I love that you said that there's so many different ways that you can do that. And a lot of these modalities, maybe like Reiki or acupuncture or, you know, even like tapping. A lot of these may be new or feel unknown to people, but may be so incredibly beneficial, even modalities like light therapy. Yes. Like the, our, our infrared beds that we use at Firefly. Yep. They yep. are great modalities for balance. At this point in our culture, I think the reason why they're so effective is energy medicine is very much a passive way for your body to find balance and to heal. We're used to active ways where we're actively doing something that has a mental process, a structure, organization with this is the diet, this is the time I take the supplements, I got to do this many sit-ups and this many, whatever. We make it very much very mental and very much where we have to use a lot of our willpower to force and to go and to keep ourselves in that more of a beta brainwave state, which that is that hyper-focused awareness where we're able to focus on a task and do it. But when you get energy medicine or you are having a great yoga class, at that end of that yoga class, your nervous system is going to down-regulate and the brainwaves are going to slow down and they're going to be more in like that alpha or even maybe a theta meditative space. And that resets the whole system. That affects your hormones. It affects your stress, your cortisol. And that's why I call it passive because it's helping the nervous system to relax. And I think that you can go to a therapist and talk and have talk therapy, but how much does that help you relax? Sometimes it gets it off your chest, but sometimes people cycle on hamster wheel and all the things that they want to continue to talk about and hash it out and talk about it over and over and over and revisit the same traumas or the same stress points. But that, what does that do to the body? Does that help to release it? Maybe initially to get it out because it's a very important part of healing to express and to sometimes externally process what's going on so you can consciously get it out that maybe the unconscious part of yourself has been harboring resentment or emotions of some sort, depression, sadness, whatever it is. But after that, how do you then reset the body? You can do it through food. You can do it through meditation. You can do it through any energy medicine modality. But I think that's the important thing because, Tanya, have you seen clients that maybe do want to do all the exercises and the nutrition, but they don't have any access to the mental piece or energy medicine, maybe not be uh, something that they're open to. Yes, that, that is very common. From my perspective, it's important for me to talk about energy medicine in a way that it is 
complementary of other medical practices like Western medicine. So when you combine, you know, Western medicine with holistic practices and energy healing, there can be success. I really think it's the way that you talk about it too. Yes. Complementary is absolutely really important to to talk about because it's either one or the other. There's this mentality that's like, I have to do nutrition and all these things, but I'm not going to do Reiki or any yoga or any meditation. I don't know about mindfulness. I don't know about that. I don't have time for that. Or I'm going to do meditation and I'm going to do yoga and I'm going to do all the Reiki and I'm going to do the crystals. I'm going to have them in my pockets and I'm going to buy all the Oracle cards and do all the spiritual things. But there's no awareness of the physical body, its needs for rest or for sleep or for nutrition or for water intake. And that's where I see a complete imbalance. So you're either flip-flopped either to one side or the other. I very rarely see people that are balanced within both, but that's how I've helped my clients who have been blocked through the Mind Body Detox program and through working with them one-on-one find healing. We find out what is missing, what aspect of this is missing. Is it a mental piece, a spiritual piece, psychological, emotional, physical? What aspect needs to be addressed and what modalities will work with them where they're at right there in their life? That's the most important thing. Because the next thing we have on the list here is excuses is the block. We we make excuses as to why we're not, you know, going to be able to do this or that. And that's why a good coach will help someone to be aware of what's going on in their lives, what type of modality they're open to that they might be willing to try and not forcing something down their throats, but something that really feels doable. Yeah. What do you have to say about the excuses piece as, a, as one of the blocks, the things that comes up for us? Oh, excuses, excuses, excuses. It kind of reminds me, my daughter's at the age where there's an excuse for everything. And it's kind of like, I want to do this, but I don't want to also, you know, it's, there's an excuse. So really, I think that it's not about providing solutions. It's not, it's about listening beyond words. That's difficult to do, right? Active listening beyond words is difficult to do. But in this type of circumstance, you have to listen beyond words and you have to explore. And this, this from a coaching perspective is where we tap into motivational interviewing because motivational interviewing asks the right questions and presents the proper scenarios for people to open up so that you can hear beyond what they're really saying. Asking questions is much more powerful than telling someone the answer because then you're empowering yourself or being empowered by your coach or your doctor, whoever it is, to think about that question and find your own answer or come up with some potential answers. That's more powerful than anything. It sure is. So the last one you have on here is it's not the right time for people. Sometimes they're not feeling that this is not right now. Now, sometimes that can be procrastination and self-sabotage. It can be because there's fear of change or fear of what will have to come along with it. Or I already have this stress in my life. Like thinking about doing one more thing can be overwhelming, but that's usually a sign that you need some help organizing what you have in your life right then to get you clear and grounded and anchored enough with a coach to get you ready for that next change when that time comes. So what do you have to say about that? Not the right time. Is there ever a right time for something? Is there a right time to get married? Is there a right time to take a vacation? Is there a right time to have children? There's probably no right time for anything, but I think that this is exactly where self-sabotage creeps in. It creeps in because There's never going to be a perfect time because there's no perfectness in the world. There was really no perfect person, perfect thing, perfect time. And I think a lot of times it's not the right time for people because they really are afraid, afraid of not being perfect, afraid of failure, or they're going to embarrass themselves, or, you know, they're going to be criticized by their friends and family for not having success. And I do hear this a lot that, you know, now is not the right time, but also on the flip side, I know I've said this before to you, Kara, on the other podcasts is there is a defining moment for everybody. And it's okay if it's not your defining moment right then and there. It really is. I don't think it's wise to engage into coaching or engage into a massive nutritional overhaul 
if it's not your right time, because you're not going to put forth the effort and no, no coach is going to get you out of that. So while there's no perfect time, there might be a defining moment. Yeah. The, the reason why we do these consultations on the phone here at Firefly Hollow is we want to make sure that they're ready for whatever change they're looking to create or start. And sometimes we refer people to, Hey, just start getting a massage once a month or here, do some yoga. Like this is something that would be good for not only maybe it's their budget that's would blocking them at that time. And a lot of times if they get their health in order and their energy up, a lot of times that equates with higher income over time that because they have the energy to create more or to get that raise or whatever it is they have to put their energy into for that area. Or they might have a more time that they have more energy, they can focus better on how to really take the tasks they have to do on their weekly goals and break them down and actually focus on them. When you're lacking energy, and you're overwhelmed, it's really hard to stay focused and stay motivated, because your energy scattered, it's all over the place. And time management can be a huge block. And if you're stressed, it's a vicious cycle because it's harder to manage time when your nervous system is in fight or flight mode. You're going to be even more like disconnected and discombobulated and scattered. That takes you out of a space and time where you're anchored, you're grounded, you can have that slow, steady pace and be aware of time, how it flows and how much time you'll need for each task. Because your brain can think more um, logically and organize things. Absolutely. So I'm going to go through my list here, just a quick kind of shooting through what I had made a list for one of the reasons why I felt that people don't heal. We had a lot of similar overlap here. Let's go through them. So why do people not heal? So some of the reasons here would be, of course, we talked about perspective and mindset, not getting enough support or getting help. And a lot of times we go online, we get Google to give us the answers and or the how to's and we may need something customized because we may have blind spots to really what it is that we need to help ourselves because we might be focusing so much on the exercises and not really looking at some of the stress and some of the mental components that are continuing to affect our weight loss journey or our whatever our pain levels. We also can have a lack of awareness or education about holistic or mainstream services. Like we may not know that there's actually something that could help, you know, that our doctor can give us or that our doctor can prescribe to us or a modality we could get. We don't know about those things. So that's why I love holistic modality, especially integrative health and wellness professionals, because they're not only just only holistic things. They're the only thing that works. You can't do anything mainstream medicine. We're against that model. Like there's a lot of really weird polarized perspectives. And I'm like, well, to me, my perspective is it's all about integrating them together. I think that, you know, natural things first, supplements and and food and medications and surgery last if possible. But there's a reason why we have medical um, services in, in, in the first place. It's an amazing system that we have. So that lack of awareness can block us. But I always hope that in the westernized medicine world, that there is some sort of continuing medical education that integrates holistic modalities and how they support health and wellness and vibrancy. I don't know because I don't take continuing medical education credits, but I would really hope that there's this aspect of bringing that integration in considering we have functional medicine physicians and we have integrative physicians that are already doing this. And when there's more knowledge around it, there can be more use for it. Yes. So we're in a paradigm shift, folks, everyone out there listening to this podcast who is interested in any capacity in mind-body medicine or integrative wellness you are the game changers. You are the people that are changing the way that we do medicine. And the reason how, how you are changing is just from your interest, from you sharing it, and from you having a desire to invest your time and energy and your money into this type of care for yourself. That's what changes the market. That's what changes our healthcare system. It's your choices. Enough of us out there, if we decide we want to do this instead of go to someone for a pill, that's what's changing the medical profession. People, not only doctors are seeing the benefit and seeing why it does really serve to heal and to help versus just cover up symptoms. A lot of the times they are going, wow, this is empowering for me as a doctor. I like this. It's rewarding to see people get help, but also there's dollars there. And that's what always drives everything folks. So if the medical industry sees that there's capacity to make income and that people really want this, 
You as the consumer are driving the market. There is people who want this type of doctor. Well, I could get paid a little bit more for being that type of doctor. I'm going to go become a holistic or integrative medicine professional for my continuing education. That is how we change the system. But it only happens through people being open. And that is number four, the thing that blocks people from healing is they have misconceptions, stigmas, judgments, or fears about unfamiliar methods or treatments. Now, obviously, there's a lot of treatments that haven't been you know, substantiated yet in a lot of these medical research uh, journals and things like that. But that's how it was with chiropractic care years ago. And massage therapy, that's one of the oldest forms of medicine, massage therapy, <laughs> like that's there to help heal. And we still need fear peer reviewed articles and time to prove to the medical facility and to people out there that, that it potentially works. But there's a lot of things out that that do work that we maybe judge or we have misconceptions about or think are woo-woo or out there versus being open-minded and giving it a try or learning more about it, researching about it from multiple sources. I repeat that, from multiple sources because the holistic model of care, especially things like Reiki and even what I do as a medical intuitive, some of these things are so out there that they're not accepted. There's critical eye and there's judgment on there. Now, judgment is the thing that would be blocking critical eye and skepticism, but yet being open and wanting to learn and being curious is good. Skeptical yet curious. Be skeptical yet curious. But when you are blocked from potentially finding a method to heal, and while you may not be healing or having options to heal, is lack of education, awareness, and possible misconceptions, stigmas, or judgments, or even fears around unfamiliar methods or treatments. So number five, people do live in an alternative paradigm. We did talk about this, Tanya, that the holistic model, it's much different what we're used to. We're used to, I got a symptom, I get the pill, I get the surgery, I get the treatment, I'm fixed. So for us who are in integrative medicine or integrative health and wellness services, we are looking, like we said, to integrate mind, body, spirit, all the aspects of your health and wellness to give you a, a holistic whole model of care. Number six reason we might be blocked to heal is we may be not choosing the right method for where we are at. We talked about that. You know, there's no crazy diet changes. You're not ready for those crazy diet changes if you haven't even begun to consistently drink enough water on a daily basis. Like if you're struggling with that, that's something you can do for free right now before you go to see somebody. And if you need someone to coach you on just that and have accountability for just that, that's where you start. And that's okay. You don't have to have a crazy diet or health overhaul. I think it's important because sometimes people are that overachiever health nut, like I used to be, all or nothing mentality, and that I'd sabotage everything. <laughs> but if you're not addressing your mental wellness and your mindset, that might need to be where you need to start. So looking at choosing the right method and starting at the right starting point for you. Number seven is that self-sabotage 101. We talked about that pretty much throughout this episode, that there are reasons why we keep quote unquote failing. We don't have the awareness of these red flags that we need to know about because self-sabotage sneaks in and ruins all of our progress and goals in every area of our life. And so I always encourage people to listen to that self-sabotage episode. It can't say it enough because it's very helpful. And that also goes into the other block that I say is big and I'm only like passionate about this one because I'm kind of a nut about this, but goal setting. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Parks and Recreation. Amy Poehler's like the star of that show. And she plays a character called Leslie Nope. And she's super goal oriented. She has notebooks for everything and she tracks things. Now, I don't expect people to be that way. You don't have to, but I'm super goal oriented. I have a notebook. I have multiple notebooks for my goals and I track them and it's exciting. And it's nice because then you can have these clear goals that you can implement and then look back to track and see if you actually accomplish them. I think a lot of clients don't have clear goals. They don't set them and make them clear enough and then also then implement steps and actions to make them happen. And so you don't have to have notebooks and go all out like I do, but it's really important to have that. And that's where a health coach can, of course, help you. And then when you have those goals down and you have all your plan made out, the biggest thing that I think is clearly, clearly, clearly for every single person I've ever worked with, making changes and blocks to them really fully healing is consistency, 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 consistency. How do I stay consistent? Well, 
accountability. If you don't have that accountability, that will be another block. If you're trying to be consistent on your clear to get to your clear goal, taking those steps to get into your clear goal, if you aren't able to be consistent, then it's time to reach out for help, which is number two, not getting that support or help. If you reach out for that help, you can then potentially have that accountability to get you over the hump of not being consistent. So the last one, the bottom line, Tanya, this is the very last one. This is the most important one. This is going to blow your mind, hopefully. <laughs> if it doesn't, if you've heard this before, then <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm, I, this is my favorite one. Why people don't heal. The bottom line is we think we are not good enough. We have this deep-seated program in our culture that we are not lovable, we are not good enough, and that we have to do something different to make ourselves be good enough. So we cover up this unconscious feeling of not being good enough with so many different crutches. I call them crutches because they're not actually fixing that problem of not feeling good enough. And if people are like, what do you mean? How can nine deep-seated feeling of not feeling good enough block me to healing? Well, we sabotage ourselves if we don't feel worthy or deserving. We don't be consistent because we don't feel like we're lovable enough that we deserve that. We covered up the feelings of not being lovable because we look at our bodies and we judge them or we judge ourselves versus other people and we compare ourselves. Then we go, well, I got to eat something because I feel horrible or I got to buy something because I don't feel good enough. We fill up these holes in our psyche, these feelings of void, this void feeling we have of not being good enough with all these things. And to be honest, the bottom line in everybody's life, everyone out there, you and me, Tanya, are also included anywhere where we're not healing in our lives is we don't feel that we're good enough. Now, don't take that literally like the reason why I'm not healing my cancer is because I don't feel good enough. Now, there are absolutely people out there that I have witnessed that have worked on their own healing journey with all these different types of modalities, with cancer treatments and all those things, and healing the self and finding ways to feel good enough and to love the self have been paramount in changing the trajectory of their outcome for their diagnosis. So not saying that it is the A is going to plus B is going to be equal C. It's not like that. So don't take it completely literally, but it is something on an unconscious level that drives all the behaviors and the actions that lead to poor health or poor mental wellness and all that kind of thing. So we don't heal because we don't think we're worth it. That was beautiful. That was like a nice wrap up of everything. It really was. We are worth it. Yeah, we really are. Yeah. So any final things we want to give you guys, I would just say, listen to that self-sabotage podcast, get on a call and get a free consultation with a health coach. Call Tanya. We work remotely too, even if you're not local. It's something that you have to start one step at a time. And sometimes that's knowing that you're good enough and you're worth it. Absolutely. Well said. for listening to the mind body detox podcast we wish you wellness and health in your mind body and spirit and be well until next time my friends